Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the Right Way Podcast. Today we have such a fun interview around community, building community, having a writer community, figuring out where to find community with a super amazing novelist and friend, Allison Hammer. She is uh, the acclaimed uh, novelist of uh, Little Pieces of Me um, and she, her books might bring you to tears, but this conversation definitely won't. It will uplift you. It will inspire you. Uh, we talk a lot about, um, Allison's found, founding group of, uh, of female writers online, every damn day writers. And we talk about her, her dedication to the, as a NaNoWriMo participant. Um, you really are going to get so much out of this conversation and she's just a wonderful, warm hearted, like open person who's so excited about being a writer. It really like, it really made me want to, want to be part of it as well. Absolutely. And she, I really love that she's on both sides of the writing coin and then also really creating a community for writers who are in the same boat. She's, you know, when she gets into talking about her path to publication, I think it's really inspiring, very relatable. And if you're sitting here like, what the hell is NaNoWriMo? Um, we're gonna, we're gonna explain all of that because yeah, sometimes if you're outside of the writing community, it can be a little confusing to know, you know, what's going on or where to find, I don't know, the right tools and the right people for you. Like, where are your people? And Allison is just such a generous person with that. And not to mention, she is such a beautiful writer. This brand new book that just came out by William Morrow called Little Pieces of Me is doing so well. And it's it's just such a wonderful book. I think we're all kind of reaching for books um, that are a little bit more heartwarming, a little bit lighter in some ways than kind of like these deep, dark thrillers or true crime. So perfect author if you haven't picked up one of her books, but sit back and enjoy this incredible interview and conversation with Allison Hammer. Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. All right, Allison, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I am such a personal fan of your heartbreakingly beautiful debut novel, You and Me and Us, which launched during COVID. I know. <laughs> uh, we're, we're COVID <laughs> sisters. Um, but now you have a new book coming out, Little Pieces of Me. So I'd love for you to just start off telling us a bit about your new book and where that idea came from. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, so Little Pieces of Me is my next book coming out April 13th. And it is the story of a woman who finds out through a DNA website kit that her dad she grew up with was not her biological father. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, oh. <laughs> it was inspired by something that happened to a friend of mine back in 2017. I was meeting a bunch of friends out. And I saw my friend up at the bar and walked up to her and I said, hello. And she said, you'll never guess what I just found out from Ancestry. Oh, and I, <laughs> I, I went through a few political figures that she may not want to be related to. And she kept saying no. And finally, she told me that she'd gotten an email um, with a parent-child match from a man who wasn't her father. And wild. crazy. And she did a little bit of digging and, and found out that this man went to college the same time and place her parents did when she was conceived. So there was really no way to deny it. Oh. So that's where the story, The Spark, came from. Um, but it is fiction. It was just inspired by that. It is not her story, um, but that's where, where I got the idea. And I think that's so great because so many people are like, I'm not born in this family. Like I must be from another family. In that case, it <laughs> And now you can check on ancestry.com. Uh, I great. Know, you know, like seriously, like DNA is crazy because it used to it be- It scares me. <laughs> it used to be just like for crime and like police stations and detectives. And now anybody can do it. And there's yeah. access to all this information that's revealing secrets or- Yep. It's, it's just- 
crazy. Well, and I have to say, great title too. You had a, that's an yeah, unbelievable, that's an awesome title. Um, let's uh, pivot real quick and talk about uh, launching your debut novel during COVID. Um, okay. I'm, how did you approach this launch, and what did you find worked for you or didn't work? So. My book, my last book, my debut, You and Me and Us, came out April 7th, which was like three weeks into, into uh -huh. lockdown. Um, just when we passed the anniversary of the one-year lockdown on March 12th, I, I just remember vividly leaving my office. I waited till I was around the corner and just started to cry because uh -huh. I was like, uh -huh. we thought it was for two weeks. And I was like, my book launches in three weeks. Well, I have to cancel my event. And it just was so important to me in that moment because I don't mm -hmm. think I realized Sure. the severity of how big of a issue it would be for, for everybody and like lives were on the line. So in the big picture of things, like my book launch wasn't that big of a deal, but to me in that moment, it was, you know, I was so just afraid of what would happen. Mm -hmm. um, I had five events in different cities. I had, uh, my book is a tearjerker. So I'd, I'd had, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I had custom tissue packs made with the cover of the book printed on it. And I had five oh. That's brilliant. Oh my god. That's gosh. genius. Well, it would have been if I had any events. I still have oh. a giant box of them. If anybody runs out of toilet paper since that was <laughs> a commodity during COVID. But um oh, that's so heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. But um so what I did, I my day job's in advertising, and so I I probably came at it maybe with a different point of view. And I'm used to solving problems with a lot of challenges in a small box. And so one thing that I decided to do was instead of trying to recreate the experience that I had planned for in person at Volumes Bookstore in Chicago. Yes, I love that bookstore. Oh, it's so good. They've been wonderful to me. And so instead of trying to recreate that, I was like, okay, what can I do that's different that will be interesting in the digital space? And so I'm a big fan of Stephen Kellogg, who's an author himself and a singer songwriter. And he had read the book and had been just like raving about it and so supportive. And so I reached out to him. He lives in Connecticut. And I was like, would you be interested in interviewing me and playing a few songs? Because I love music. And again, like he's in Connecticut. I'm in Chicago. It wouldn't have happened if sure. it was an in-person event. Yep. Um, but I will mm -hmm. tell you, I had we had so many technical difficulties because it was early in the days of, of all the things. And I did a practice run over the weekend. But on Monday, Zoom canceled the connectivity with what? Facebook because uh. of security issues. And so we spent 30 minutes. I had some amazing friends trying to entertain people in the Facebook group while we tried to connect it. And then after like 40 minutes, we moved it to Instagram and still had over 200 people logged on. But um. it it ended up being, you know, I, I say turning lemons into lemonade and threw in some vodka. Like it was just <laughs> party. <laughs> Yep. Wow. Yeah. And I'm so, getting ready to do it again. Like two books in pandemic. Oh my gosh. That is just, did you consider, or did your publisher consider pushing the date for this book or no? No, because I don't know if we know when yeah, the world sure. will be yeah. safe again. I mean, yeah. I, I just, and it wasn't, there were, I'm a big believer in silver linings and there have been so many silver linings. Um, just the fact that everybody's gone virtual and being able to connect mm -hmm. with people and I did a book club with people in Haiti. Like, how cool is that? And it's yeah. so cool. And if their book club hadn't been online and virtual, it may not have happened. So um, I'm trying to, you know, in the beginning, I was also, people weren't Zoomed out yet. So I'm uh, oh gosh, more challenging this time because I want it to be different and fun and, and feel engaging and interactive. Um, but it's tough with people sitting in front of their computer screens. True. Completely. But I, but I agree with you. I mean, the ability for even bookstores to, to have people from all over doing these events, or if it's a Facebook live or Instagram live, I do think that there are some advantages. I don't think it sells, you know, quite as many books sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes it does, but it is cool to be able to kind of pivot and look at new ways to do things. Um, I'd love to rewind a little bit and talk about your path to publishing. Um, so did you always know you kind of wanted to aim for the traditional book deal? Did you ever consider self-publishing or, or what made that decision for you? 
You know, it's funny. I've been a writer as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I finished the first draft of my first book that I was like, now what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't even think that I thought that it was possible. Like I knew that there were writers. I knew that somebody had to write the books, but I never really thought that it would be like that I could be one of them. <laughs> um, and you know, my first book, so the first book I wrote was not my debut that the first book is, is currently sitting in a drawer. But that book took me 15 years to finish writing. Wow. And when I finished it, it was just kind of like, you know, again, like, okay, now what? I reached out to a few authors I knew and, and they told me about querying. And I don't think I ever, I didn't, I started out just thinking about traditional, like, why not go for it? I don't think I really considered self-pub. Um, I, I went to a conference, the writing day group does conferences like in different cities all around. And that was a really nice intro to publishing and they really laid out the pros and cons of, of traditional versus self and then hybrid and it was really interesting that the the pros for self-publishing were the cons of traditional mm-hmm. and the pros of traditional are the cons of self and it was really you know I think I stepped back to look at what my goals were and it just felt like traditional was the was the way for me mm-hmm. yeah for, for you and me and us, did you, when you finished, did you hire an editor or have any beta readers before you, you got your agent? I did for you and me and us. My first book, I did not. And that was a mistake that I made. Hmm. Um, the first book, again, it took 15 years and I was done and I was like, I'm done. And my friend's like, you should get beta readers. I'm like, no, <laughs> no more. <laughs> um, and the book was... 120,000 words long, which is at least 20,000 words too long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And somehow I still had some agents that looked at it, which blows my mind. Um, And I had one great agent um, who gave me an R&R and made me realize that it started in the wrong place. And the 75 pages that I'd spent like eight years perfecting had to go away. (laughs) Wow. Which was heartbreaking. But Can I I ask you what that book is called? Um. It's called Face the Music. All right. Or one point, another title that I had for it was Her Mom Was Her Mom Was Popular with Men, which I, which I still like. <laughs> Great and title. I love it too. It's actually the same characters from You and Me and Us just 15 years earlier. Oh, fun. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question because I'm dealing with something similar where I want to use some characters from my debut novel, Not Her Daughter, but like, is that something that you'll revisit, try to publish? I, I would love to. I think it needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I've learned a lot in the, in the several books I've written since, but I would love to do a prequel and a sequel. Yes. I have, oh yeah. I have a story in my head for the main characters, Alexis and Cece from You and Me and Us, that would find them 15 years in the future. I love that. I so think one that's day. fun. I, I mean, you know, it's funny because I've talked to my editor about that and they're like, nope, unless you set it up like that, it's almost impossible. And I'm on a mission to mm-hmm. prove that wrong <laughs> because- yeah. I think those stories like live in your head. And I've been thinking about this same, it's a, I guess, technically a sequel to not her daughter, but I have not been able to stop thinking about it since about 2017. And yeah. so I'm just writing it. And I, I think the key is having them be standalone. Like, it, well, exactly. They're totally, yeah. yes, I agree with you. Cause that's, um, when I, that's where I was. So I, when I finished, um, my original book that again, um, whatever it will, will end up being called, um, I do like her mom was popular with men. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when I finished that book, Tommy and Alexis, two of the characters in, in You and Me and Us had just crossed that line from friends to more. Mm-hmm. And I knew that Alexis was pregnant, but she didn't. And so that's what sparked the idea. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when I finished writing it, so book one took 15 years to write. Book two, I did NaNoWriMo for the first time. Right. And now I'm a nano addict. I do it every year. So I finished that book in two months. It's amazing. Um, so Jeez. huge difference. But when I finished that book, I had gone to a, um, another writing workshop, one of those where you can pay like $28 to have 10 minutes with an agent. And I brought in a query letter for both books with an editor. That was my first session. And I was like, here are these two books. They're totally standalone, same characters, but you know, they can be separate. And the editor said that You and Me and Us was more marketable. So I went with that one. That's so interesting. interesting. And 
we're gonna we're gonna totally get into uh, NaNoWriMo because I think that's so fascinating. But let's talk about getting your initial offer of the book deal because I think, in my experience, that process is the most exciting part of it all. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what was that like for you? Where were you? Did you get you know the deal that you wanted with the publisher that you wanted? Kind of take us through that. Yeah. It, you know, and it's funny, like that was the most exciting, but I feel like there are so many, that was the most exciting. Like when sure. you get the agent, when you get the, yes. you know, the editor, when you see the book, there's so many moments that are, that are thrilling, which is good to balance out all the less than thrilling ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are plenty. But I was at work and I had just talked to my agent either earlier that day or the day before. And we talk quite often. She's wonderful. Joanna McKenzie from Nelson. Um, she's amazing. Um, but she called me and I was in a standing meeting. Like I was in a meeting and I saw her on the phone and I like panicked. I'm like, gotta go. And I just left the meeting and went into her room and she told me about the first offer. And I was just like delirious. And I actually had to call her back later because I didn't remember anything she said. Oh. <laughs> I was like, can you tell me the details again? Cause I don't remember. Um, but that first offer ended up sparking, you know, um, an auction, which was yes. great. And I ended up with three offers from three different companies that were all great, all editors that I really, um, that I really liked. And we ended up going um, with, with William Morrow. And part of it was because I really connected with the, with the editor. And she made a comment on the call about a minor character and something that was so insightful about it that I was like, she gets it. Mm-hmm. Good sign. Good sign. It was. And that just put, put her and William Morrow just, you know, a beat above, above the rest. And um, so, yeah, I've, I'm really happy. It's been again, like a, not the experience I thought because of COVID, but um, sure. I have two books in the world almost, which is still a dream come true. <laughs> uh, between you and me and us and little pieces of me, what, what has been different for you uh, in regards to both the, the writing and the publishing? really great question. I think that first books always have more attention and more time Mm -hmm. because you put so much time into it before you get an agent. And then my agent is really editorial. So we went through like four months of revisions before it went on submission. Um, And so, you know, that went through a lot of work. And with the second book, I wrote it in 2017. So there was still time. I still did beta readers and things like that, but less people have read it. And so I went into it less confident. Um, I'm confident now, but I think that, you know, I had more affirmation from peers in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now I wonder if people think you don't need it because you're published. Exactly. Right? No, I think that's a great point. I, my books are read like less and less and less. Like I give them to Joe to edit, but that's, he's, he's almost the only person that sees it yeah. <laughs> now besides my editor. <laughs> and we're really writers. I feel like we have like, you know, we're insecure and there's imposter syndrome, but um, this, this book had was edited a lot more than the last one. Um, so with little pieces of me, originally the story was told in three different parts. Um, part one is where Paige, the main character, made the discovery about her DNA. Um, part two went back to 1974, where her mom, her dad, and her DNA dad were at school at University of Kansas. And then part three was kind of her dealing with the aftermath. And when my agent Joanna read it, she was like, "It's a great story. Part two has this driving energy because you know." There are these two characters that have sex at some point and <laughs> so how, when, where, why the circumstances will bring them together and, and you just keep the pages turning. So she had the idea to take the story apart and put it back together again and have it instead of parts have the timelines interwoven, which was, you know, once I got over how much work that would be, I was like, oh yeah, like it just makes sense. That's how the story was supposed to be. So there was a lot more intensive editing with the second book. <laughs> yeah, and what what you said about, you know, oh, I'm published now, so maybe people don't think I need, you know, an, an editor or a reader, yeah. but for you, what has been the most misunderstood part of being a published author? Because for me, I felt like, you know, I was published, all these amazing things happen. And then I actually really experienced and I actually wrote about it, uh, this post-launch blues. Like mm-hmm. there was this high, high, 
And then there was kind of a crash um, after. And, and granted, I had done like 50 in-person events and had been all around. And then it just stopped, it seemed like. And I got really down. But I think you're not even allowed to feel that way because, hey, you're published and everything is like rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> so for you, what's been the most, um, or I guess the biggest misconception that you think people have about being a published author? Well, I, I will say one other thing first, and that's, the, I think I found a way almost around it. <laughs> oh, great. And that has been finding groups that are in the same point of the process that I am. Definitely. So when I was querying, I had a group of querying friends because only a querying friend will understand why you're so happy to get a rejection because of <laughs> something. Right. You no, know, I once queried an agent who I knew wouldn't be a good fit just because I hadn't heard anything in months and I wanted something. Like I just, you know, and only querying writers can understand that. And when you're on submission, there's a whole new set of pain points that people understand. And when you're a debut, you know, our 2020 debut group that all were debuting in the pandemic year, we understand each other. So I think that there's a having a safe place where you can be like, hey, this really sucks right now. <laughs> um, it helps. But I think that the misconception is, you know, that we wrote the book ourselves. And one of my favorite things to say is that writing is not a solo sport. And I think that the reason I can be so proud of my book is that I didn't get there on my own. Um, my, I have beta readers. I have a group of narrowed it down to like three or four beta readers and my critique partner, who's actually also my co-writer now. We, we are writing, doing our side writing project together. Um, but we, and then my agent and my editor. So there's so many fingerprints on it. And I love looking back at the book and actually there's a, a review on Goodreads and I know I'm not supposed to read them, but I can't help it. <laughs> but there's a review that calls out a line that they love. And I, my critique partner, her name's Brady Godfrey. Um, I, I sent her a message. I'm like, hey, I think you wrote this line. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so that, cool. That is awesome. Um, <laughs> what I want, I mean, I want to ask, I want to ask a question, but I also want to ask, uh, I want to ask one question before this. Okay. Um, I want to ask you what, what you've learned or what you've identified over the course of two books the, as the most important element of creating a saleable novel. But I also want to know if when you wrote that, the debut novel, when you, you, you wrote You and Me and Us, did you write it with the idea that it was going to be saleable or did you or were you only focused on, on the story and the process? I was focused on the story and the process. I think that I wrote a book that I would want to read. And mm -hmm. I'm very strange in that I love to cry as long as it's not about my own life. <laughs> love, you know, That's can, an amazing observation. <laughs> I, can, I can cry at a song, at a commercial. Like, I just love feelings. Like, I just am a very empathetic person. Mm -hmm. And when I was writing You and Me and Us in particular, I, would, I cried a lot. And I love, I love evoking emotions in people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of the things about writing in the community that just blows my mind continually is how supportive it was. Like, Rio, when I had a question, like we had been Facebook friends, yeah. but I sent you a message. I'm like, hey, we haven't met, but would you talk to me? And we had an amazing phone call, I think for like an hour. And I think yep. like there are so many people who are supportive and helpful that make that make it all easier. And I distracted myself from thinking about that, from what the what the question was. But um, the sorry, let me get back to what we were talking about. So just the, the the fact that you you didn't while you were writing, you weren't really considering it as being saleable. But is there something that you've identified over the course now of two books that is an element that makes a a novel particularly saleable? Well, and that thank you because that that triggers what I was what I was going to say, and that that the writing industry could be so competitive, be, and it's so hard, and it because there is so much, you know, like who's on this list, or how many books have you sold, or who's getting in People Magazine, who's getting on, you know, on this or that, mm -hmm. and I've realized, like, I tell myself that I should not compare. And when these things happen, like when I have friends who have been the Reese book club pick, I have friends oh. who hit the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. And I am genuinely so, so happy for them. Completely. But of course, I'm a little jealous. So what I try to focus on is not the sales, it's not the, you know, of course, I want people to buy the book, but I try to focus on the one-in-one, one-to-one -one reader connection. And 
the messages that I get from readers who were moved by the book or who could relate to a part of the story or who felt you know, less alone in a situation. Like, so I feel like I write more toward individual readers than, than sales. Sales, of course, are nice. And I would love for, for, I would love for people, more people to find the story in the book. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I try and focus on. Cause I think that if I, if I wrote for a list, those are so hard to get that I would end up being disappointed. And I went to a, a writing workshop um, about life post-publication with Rebecca Mackay, and she had such a great idea that was write a list of three different tiered goals. Like write the goals that like five years ago, you would have blown your mind. Like somebody you don't know loved your book. <laughs> That's amazing. But when you have, and then like the higher level goals and then like the, you know, reach for the star goals. But so when you don't, when you're not a Reese pick or you're not, you know, on these celebrity book clubs, you can look back at the at the at the goals that would have blown your mind five years ago. Hey guys, it's Joe. I'm just hopping in here for a second to pimp a new and improved component uh, in the right way mission to turn aspiring writers into published authors. For those of you that are already on our mailing list, you know that we send out a great weekly newsletter. It's full of uh, updates, company updates, podcast promos. But we, in our mission to give you all the tools and resources you need to succeed on your path to publication. We didn't want it to stop at the great products and services we offer at rightwayco.com. We didn't want it to stop at each and every episode that we bring you of the Right Way Podcast, which is available on every platform. We are also now loading up our extra large, supersized Sunday newsletter with tons of tools, resources, tips, tricks, hacks, freebies, updates, curated, just for you. Now, of course, there's going to be the same great company updates. There's going to be the same great podcast promotions and promotions of, of Friends of Right Way, their books, new releases, etc. You're going to get book news. You're going to get publishing checklists. You're going to, In the Right Way corner, you're going to get tips, strategies, and freebies for your writer's toolbox. And of course, we're still offering, we're in co cooperation with the wonderful superfood company Organifi at OrganifiShop.com. We're still offering great discounts on all their products to keep your mind right, to keep your mind sharp. And of course, we'll be updating you on each and every new episode of the Right Way podcast, which drops on Tuesdays. Um, do not stall in getting signed up. It costs you nothing. It's great resources and great tools. All you got to do is go to www.rightwayco.com, W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com and sign up for that newsletter. Sign up with your email and you get it every week. And every Sunday you can sit back with a cup of coffee and you can enjoy what, we, what you've come to expect and more. So sign up for that newsletter every Sunday from Rightway. And now uh, back to this great interview with Allison Hammer. Absolutely. The fact that my book is on the shelf in Target. Yes. The mm. fact that like people I don't know are reading and having emotions from like a book that I wrote. I tried, I try really hard to focus more on that than the things I can't control like sales. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, we say that all the time, like with our clients, we start with that big why, because mm -hmm. if it is hitting a list or if it is selling a certain amount of books, that's such a fleeting moment on this really long journey. So I think what you just talked about, it's so funny that you said that about Target because I talk about that all the time. I'm like, it doesn't hit me that I'm a published author until I walk into Target and see my book. And I'm like, oh shit, this is legitimate. Like this is so, <laughs> so cool. But um, speaking of that and goals, you know, you did end up hiring a publicist mm -hmm. for both books, correct? And yeah. talk a little bit about, you know, if you had any expectations going into that and how that process has been, because we say a lot of times, you know, publicity does not translate to sales. It translates to reader mm -hmm. awareness and hopefully engagement. So what was your experience like going into that? So it, that's a great question. It's something that I talk about within like writing groups all the time, mm -hmm. because there is no guarantee. Nope. And I, I'm very fortunate that I have a good day job. And so I'm not writing for the income. There's something about the, you know, of course you want to, to make money from it and like your work to have financial like benefits, but I was in a position where I could afford it. And if I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have done it. 
Right. But where where I was coming from is, of course, this was pre-pandemic, but I made a decision that I would rather regret having spent the money than wish I had. Mm-hmm. Because there was no, there's no guarantee. And it was like, okay, if I'm going to feel one of these, I'd rather have regret. Um, I don't have regret. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I worked with Book Sparks for my debut. And now I'm working um, with Get with Anne Marie of Get Read for this one. Um, and both experiences have been different and they've both been great. And with Book Sparks, they really excel in, you know, they're really big with the with the Bookstagram community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard again, because you don't know. Like you don't know that, yes, this is the reason or this worked for that. But I saw a few comments from people on on Instagram saying, I've been seeing this book everywhere. And that just made me so happy because if they see it, they might, you know, think about buying it. And so I think that it's just giving each book the best chance that it can get. And that's been like my, that's been my philosophy and I can afford it. Um, I'm fortunate that I can. and you know, I just don't want to have regrets to, to think that I wish I would have. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, now we have to talk about NaNoWriMo. Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, for any of our listeners that um, should be, but aren't aware, can you tell everyone what it is? And yeah. I, I want to know, does your has your process does your process differ now at all or is NaNoWriMo just how you write? So I am a so first NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month and it is an international program um, that challenges writers all around the world to write fifty thousand words in the thirty days of November. And again, I went from writing a book in fifteen years to two months, and I credit I credit that. Um, I am a very oddly competitive person against myself. <laughs> sure. Against others too, but mostly against myself. I have sure. a sleep app that like grades my sleep each night. And I'm like, <laughs> like how'd I do? Like, I'm just very, like, I like, no, I like having a goal. I like accomplishing that goal. And I like trying to, you know, I'm just very competitive against myself. And there's something about nano with the daily accountability and the charts where every day you enter your word count and you see if you're ahead or if you're behind, um, having the, I think there's something about the energy of so many other people creating and in it together and the community aspect of it. And, you know, I actually, I run a Facebook group for women writers called the Every Damn Day Writers that came from Nano. Yes. Um, because I had a, a group of other women fic- women's fiction writers during Nano and with the daily accountability. And when Nano was over, we were like, we don't want the group to end. And so we started this version of it just with the daily, daily check-ins and daily writing. And so my process has, has of doing Nano has stayed the same. Um, I've got a fun tradition where um, at midnight on Halloween, I pop a bottle of champagne and I start writing. So literally as soon as it's midnight, it may be just 200 words, but literally at the stroke of midnight, I start to write, which is a fun tradition. Oh, I love that. And I think I've been a little bit more prepared for the, for Nano in the, in the past um, few years as I've done it this past year, I think was my sixth year doing it. Um, but I try to, to arrange my schedule so that I am drafting so that I'm not having to do anything else in November. So I can just focus on that. Now, is that when you're creating your books or do you also write throughout the year? So I, I write something new every November. So you and me and us was nano 2016 little pieces of me was nano 2017 and then I have projects that I've written 2018, 19, and 20. Oh, you're so smart. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so great. They're, you know, some of them are are in more shittier first draft stage than others. Sure. But um, like I was saying, I'm I've got a side project now. So I'm I'm co-writing um, rom-coms with my critique partner. Oh, and so that. that's very different. It's so fun. And and this past nano project, um, Stephen Kellogg, the musician and author who did my launch event for you and me and us, we're writing a book together, which is the nano project. How so see, it's crazy. I think that's so great though, because so many people are very, very busy. They want to write, but they do have day jobs or are Mm -hmm. doing a million other things. So I think if you can 
pull out a focused month or two out of the year. I know a lot of um, published authors who do that and they really tailor their writing time to just a few months out of the year. And personally, I don't know about you, Joe, but like, I, I tend to do better like that. And I mean, Joe just spent like a month writing a book too. I, I just think, I don't know. Do you, do you think that there's any difference or what were the differences for you in taking that 15 years to write that first draft versus now, like you're used to kind of like churning them out? So the biggest difference, and I listened, you guys had a podcast episode about where you're talking about the fast draft and I yeah. Yeah. yeah, very similar to what I do. Um, and with the first book, I perfected it as I went. I went to a lot of writing workshops. And again, those 75 pages, I still get a little sad that they are gone. They were perfect. But like I perfected pages that didn't belong in my manuscript. And so it was just, you know, a waste of time. And so I, I really do try to finish fast and I finish first. And I do something that a lot of people think is crazy for my second drafts. Um, when I finish, I set it aside and I usually go back to editing another project. So I'm always working, but I try to keep the drafting to, to that. Um, but when I finish reading it, when I finish and I go back to reading it, I leave myself notes about things to work on. I also leave myself little hearts and smiley faces for things that I like. Aww. But I, I retype the draft from first to second, which yeah. I know a lot of people think is crazy, but there's something about when you look at a sentence that's already written, you might like change a word, uh -huh. but when you retype it, it almost gives yourself permission to change it more. And then I feel like it affects the rhythm and the flow of the sentence. If you edit something piecemeal versus completely and for third or fourth, fifth, all the other drafts, I, I don't retype it, but there's something about, and I think that that maybe gives me permission to be a little bit shittier in the first draft, because I know it's almost like, like a, you know, 80,000 word outline that I have permission to go back and like, and, and craft it at that point. That's so do you, so you print it, you print out a copy of the manuscript in full and, and retype it off that, the, the printed copy? So I used to do that now um, with like the power of technology, I use an app on my iPad where I can write on the iPad. Oh. And I did that so that I could, you know, a manuscript printed out is pretty heavy and cumbersome. And with the yeah. iPad, I can just have it with me wherever. So I have, it's almost wow. like another screen. I have that set up with, with the, the PDF version with my notes and then a blank, a blank document. Wow. That's unbelievable. That is such an amazing That's, tip. It's crazy, but That's it, awesome. it works for me. And I think that, you know, I'm not doing that for the co-writing ones. For the co-writing ones, we're kind of doing a chapter and editing it as we go because our story is so thought out. Um, but that's that's my process for my solo projects. <laughs> wow. Well, and it's a misperception, isn't it? Uh, and Rhea and I have actually been talking about this quite a bit. And I think we, we may even have mentioned it on that previous episode, but it is a misperception that like, just because you put, and I, I this, this is not in reference to like your books per se, but like if you, a person can put, 15 years into a book and a person can put, you know, two months on a first draft and then whatever, however long the subsequent drafts take, and they can still both be great books. Oh, a hundred percent. So why, why not do it in two months? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think that I, I think that, that I did less planning before maybe like there, there are a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot mm -hmm. of writers have that practice book and that's not saying it's not good. Cause I still love the story. And I think you know, because my two were connected, I was able to work some things in backstory. So there are some scenes in You and Me and Us that reference chapters that were in the first book. Um, you know, I just went to the launch event for my friend Kathleen West last night. Um, her book is um, Are We There Yet? Are, is it? Yeah, Are We There Yet? That just came out. Wow. And she was saying last night that she writes maybe 250,000 words to get down to her like 80 or 90, that she hmm. has to write it all out to, to kind of like narrow it down. And I really try to, you know, I think that they're all different parts of the process. And that's, I think that everybody has a different process and that's why it's so much fun to talk to other writers to see, to see what they do. Mm -hmm. love that. Um, let's talk about every damn day writers. Um, I just love that you leveraged your experience in NaNoWriMo to like build a community. Um, can you explain what, what exactly it is for our listeners and um, and, and maybe how they can, is there a way for them to check it out? 
Absolutely. We are almost at 500 members, which is crazy. Jeez. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Um, to find it, just go to Facebook and type in Every Damn Day Writers and, and the group will pop up. Um, it's basically an accountability and support group for women writers. I run it with six other moderators, um, other wonderful women writers and friends of mine. And we each take a week and every day we post a prompt. And really, it's just for that accountability to have a place to come and check in. Sometimes it's like, hey, who's writing with me today? And other times it's like, post a picture of the scene of like the setting for your book or just ways to talk about and build community. Mm -hmm. um, on Wednesdays, we, we share a line from our work in progress and Mondays we have check-ins. So it's just really a, a community for support and accountability um, for women writers to connect and support each other. Oh, I love that so much. So if I'm a writer and I want to be part of that community, I know how to be part of that community, but how do I find a good one or know where to look? Because I think a lot of aspiring writers, they do want to be part of something, but they don't, they don't really know where to begin. Should they start locally? Should they start online? I think it's a little bit, it's, it's a little different for everybody. And it's a little bit like dating. Right. <laughs> I, I'm in a Facebook group where I saw somebody post something about joining a local writing community and that they were mean to her. And it was just like, what? I know. I'm like, that's awful. And like, but there are groups out there who are not, you know, welcoming. I think that they're very much in the minority, but I think you just have to join them and try them and, and bring your authentic self into it and know that um, just, you're not going to know if you don't try. And I think that you know, with critique partners, a lot of people ask me how I found my critique partner. And I've had a lot of beta readers over the years. And I think the best way to join communities or to find a, a critique partner is like testing the waters a little bit, like for a beta reader, swapping like 20 pages and seeing if you like their style of writing, if you like their style of critiquing. I've had people critique my work that covered the page in red. And I'm like, you just don't like my writing, which is okay. Sure. They're just not the person for me. Um, I think that these days, online communities are incredible. Whenever an aspiring, um, or I, that word is wrong, whenever a writer, sorry, I'm mm -hmm. trying to remove that from my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, whenever Great. a writer comes to me and, and tells me they're working on a book, I like, I hope it's women's fiction because if it is, I can tell them to join the Women's Fiction Writers Association because that organization changed my writing life like in ways I can't even explain. But if you write romance, there's the Romance Writers Organization. If you write sci-fi, like there are, there are different groups for every kind of writer. And I also think like what I was saying earlier, that the stages are important. Like yeah. I have a group of friends who have been through, were querying at the same time. And now a group of friends who are published at the same time. And I think that even beyond genre, just having some link in common can be helpful. Mm, absolutely. Great. You said something earlier when we were talking about, uh, you know, your, your process as a, as a writer writing the books um, about the one-to-one -one connection between you, you and the reader, mm -hmm. which I thought was really great. What is the best, what has been the best way in your opinion to connect with your readers um, through your, your platform as a published author? Um, great question. Anyway, really like I, I am somebody who I am very, um, talkative and outgoing and I love connecting with people. And so um, Bookstagram has been incredible. I am so mm -hmm. grateful for every single Bookstagrammer who takes their time and their energy and takes such gorgeous photos and writes thoughtful reviews and shares and shares them with readers. Like that whole community just blows my mind. Um, of all the platforms, I'm probably the most active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, my website has a place for people to send messages. I've loved um, joining book clubs. That's been one of the highlights for me, um, just being able to talk to people and answer their questions. And, and again, I've got tough skin. I can handle the tough reviews. And I love hearing like what characters people like and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's just, I'm really interested in that. Because um, I know that it's not necessarily about me, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated with, you know, they say that once you write the story, once you publish it, it doesn't belong to you anymore. Yes. And so I love yeah. hearing how, how my story has evolved or how other people have interpreted it. So I, I connect with people, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, all the things. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So I want you to brag about something you're really proud of that's happened with this book. 
I don't think we get to talk about that <laughs> enough as, as published authors and just kind of putting everything aside. Like what is something that you're really proud of that's happened? Um, I got my first starred review. <gasps> that's yes. awesome. That's yes, from library journal. I, it's that's funny. Cool. I, <laughs> I was in the car. I spent a lot of time down in Destin, Florida with my, with my oh, family during COVID. It's beautiful. And I was in the car going to my nephew's um, basketball game and I got an email from my editor and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. And my dad's like, what? I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And he's like, stop saying, oh my God. Is it good? <laughs> but it was just, you know, I think that, you know, with my genre women's fiction, a lot of people overlook it. And, sure. you know, like I, Kirkus didn't review the last one, which I, which I, you know, made me really sad. And everyone said that it's maybe a good thing because they have a tendency to be tough. But um, just having that star was a little bit of validation. And again, because the second book, and I don't want, I mean, I'm very confident in it like now, but I think that that early anticipation of will people like it, sure. that was really great. And then I found out it's going to be in Target again. Yay! Yes, so so May cute. 11th, it'll be in Target. So I feel awesome. like that's like a, um, those are two pretty cool moments. That's awesome. Amazing. What do you think your superpower is as a writer? Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. um wow maybe that i make people cry which i feel yes like that i mean that is absolutely a superpower <laughs> i feel bad if i have a torn reaction to it because on one hand i'm like i'm so sorry for causing tears but on the other hand i'm like yes that's pretty no that's you're exactly what i want emotion absolutely i think that's incredible okay i didn't think would be as, as many tears but i've heard from people that they that there's less but that there still are a few tearful moments in the book <laughs> So you can aim for like waterworks in the third. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Total these, emotional breakdowns. These two questions are kind of priming you for what we like to call our lightning round, where we're just going to ask you a series of questions and you just kind of say the first thing that pops into your head. All right. Let's. All right. <laughs> right. Best moment as a published author. Oh, goodness. Um, ah, I don't know. There have been so many. <laughs> I'll say my, I'll say my, my, my launch, the first launch event. That was a pretty yeah. amazing and special. Most, most important thing you've learned on your path to publication. Um, that I can, should not expect myself to be able to, to do it on my own. Oh, that, that's Great. the best answer I've ever heard. Yes. Um, <laughs> favorite thing to do when not working. When am I not working? Yeah, <laughs> that's my answer. Also great. <laughs> I love I love music. I love live music and can't wait to get back to it. Oh, you there we does. go. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing you wish all writers knew? Um, to be easy on yourself, that it's hard and that every stage comes with new challenges and new things to be excited about. But, you know, don't stop because we can't stop. It's who we are. Mm. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, goodness. Um, maybe that I put my heart into my work and made people feel things. Mm, love it. What does community mean to you? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Wine or beer? Or champagne. Or um, whiskey. <laughs> vodka, no. Vodka! Oh! The one we don't have on there. <laughs> so I I um, actually had been on a... a, a another big part of my life over the last year I lost now it's been kind of two years I lost 100 pounds doing what yeah. oh my gosh I cut uh, out grains dairy and sugar for the most part wow so I have found some sugar-free wine which is great I love like a ice cold beer on a on a hot day but don't really you know again vodka vodka and soda with a with lemon has been my go-to because it's no sugar, no grains. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a huge feat. But Incredible. champagne on special occasions. Champagne, yeah. champagne in October. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Fiction. Mm -hmm. Best book you read in 2020? Oh my goodness, there are so many. I picked like 20 of them. Um, I did. I did. A, I did a best of post. Um, the one that flashed in my head was Beach Read by Emily Henry. I yes, that, that is such a fun book. Her next one, I got to read an advanced copy. It is so good. I like it even better. Oh, yay. Okay, cool. What types of writing would you like to see more of in the world? Ooh, um, different voices. Mm -hmm. Unique voices and diverse voices. I agree. And one author everyone should read. Um, oh, goodness. There are so many. 
Um, only one. I'm like looking back. <laughs> <laughs> what? Maybe one that, you know, people haven't, that's not so mainstream that people haven't heard of even. Okay. Oh goodness. Um, there are so many that's like, that's, I know it's a, it's a hard, it's a question. cruel question. It, it is a cruel question. Yeah. <laughs> cruel question. And I'm like looking down at my, at my bookshelf and seeing like all these amazing authors that, that I love that I, that, um, the, let's see, I don't even know. There are so many. Can I like say, go to my website and read my, the 20 books I read? <laughs> sure. well, is there anybody in your genre that you like particularly look up to? Um, so I think that one here, one author, and it's, it, she is mainstream, but was new to me in the last few years is Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, because I feel like she is so inventive. Like I think yes. that she mm. goes, she does things that are, um, are unique and breakthrough and that everybody tries to copy her. And I think that she is, um, very revolutionary with, with a lot of the things she's very experimental in her fiction. Yep. And I think that's, um, very cool and inspiring. I agree. I love it. That was the hardest question. <laughs> I know. Well, it is a hard question, which shows you how much, you know, shows everyone how much you read. Cause I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Allison, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much um, for being on the episode with us. Uh, we will include it in the show notes, but can you just tell our listeners uh, where they can find you? And if there's anything else that you'd like them to know, especially with the, the release of the second book. Um, no, amazing. Thank you. I had so much fun talking with you guys. I could, it's, it's been wonderful. Awesome. Um, I am this hammer on all social media. So not that hammer, but this hammer. <laughs> I love your, your P-H-I-S hammer um, and allisonhammer.com. And um, again, I love hearing from people. I love connecting with book clubs. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I saw something that that said again back to that insecurity and that that just wanting to to know that our work is connecting a lot of people i know when i was reading as just a reader i would never think to write reach out to an author but we oh, yeah. love it like we yes, love we it. love it we <laughs> love it so reach out and um just thank you guys for everything you're doing it's awesome thank you so much it's been a pleasure hey thanks again for listening to the right way podcast don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 